Good morning, Brandon Hall, Coach's Corner podcast fans. I come here with co-host Coach Will Long um, as we are preparing our monthly podcast. At the date of the recording, we have a wet and soggy morning as we will be feeling the remnants of Hurricane Zeta over the next 48 hours. We hope everyone in the Gulf Coast is staying safe as they get clobbered by yet another hurricane. What a year! Um, we're lucky enough to have another special guest this morning, Kevin Hewitt. Kevin has coached at Brand Hall for over 20 years, uh, middle school soccer, JV basketball, and I bet that the, the fans in the stands or the listening uh, supporters didn't know he even uh, dabbled coaching a couple years of tennis back in the day. does a number of things at Brandon Hall in addition to coaching. He's an English teacher, helps implement all the technology. Um, with all of Kevin's experience, I'm sure he's going to give great insight on today's talk topic. Speaking of, this episode is going to be for all the young and aspiring coaches who are looking to gain a tidbit of something they should be doing and thinking about when looking to be a head coach. Uh, Kevin, please introduce yourself and, um, and, and we'll get rolling. Well, thanks for having us, for having me, coaches. Uh, I've been coaching and teaching at Brandon Hall for 22 years. Uh, mainly as a middle school and JV basketball coach. But as you said, I also dabbled a little bit in tennis. And so my wife uh, decided that me being at a tennis match for five hours instead of being home with our child was a bad idea. Uh, I also dabbled some in as the middle school soccer coach at, at Brandon Hall. Uh, much easier when you know exactly when the, the game is going to end down to even the letter. So it was easy to get home after those ones. Um, and, you know, glad to be on the podcast. I've been helping out with this since the, since the start. Uh, if you go back and listen to the first episode, uh, that was my editing skills. So I apologize for that. From the <laughs> You're forgiving, Coach. No, Kevin, um, Kevin's been the, the brainchild here in terms of be helping behind the scenes. And, and we're very appreciative for all the work that he's put in. All right, let's get, let's get to the mean potatoes of today. Uh, coach Long, please elaborate on what your most important aspect of being a head coach is in a quick story explaining something that you learned from your years of coaching. Yeah, so, you know, Coach, um, after our practice yesterday, I don't know if I'm going to be the best guy to give advice because um, <laughs> we're, 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 we're struggling right now in basketball. We're really learning. We're struggling between understanding how to compete. Right now I just have guys in the gym. We're not really accomplishing much, but we'll get there. Um, yeah, you know, so I think this is a great topic. Um, you know, when you uh, send out the email to, to Coach Ewan and I, I, I really, there's just so many things um, to take away from the traits of being a head coach and what's, what is the most important thing. I mean, there's several things, you know, in my mind that I could go with, but I will say the biggest thing um, that I have is consistency. Um, and I think that staying consistent um, with everything that you do in the program from um, you know, how you guys warm up, um, you know, the non-negotiables you might have in your program to the biggest thing that, that a lot of young head coaches are going to struggle with. And that's the discipline aspect. And, and the part of that is, um, you know, I've been blessed enough to be around. I've been blessed enough to be around some really good head coaches and been at roundtables where I haven't said one word. I've heard guys who have 30, 40 years of experience, um, you know, talk and discuss and um, listen, you have got to be able to treat a discipline with your best player the same as you would with the last guy on the bench. I know that that's really hard to do, but it, if you don't do it, those other guys aren't, aren't going to have faith in you. And, and I always talked about our guys and our program with ROI, the return on investment. We didn't have very good ROI yesterday in practice. We'll have a better day today. Um, but we, we always talk about return on investment, meaning, hey, I invest in you. I need you to invest in me and what we do and stay true um, to the consistency of our program, meaning 
how, like I said, how we warm up, how you are in the classroom. Because uh, I ask them to do three things. Number one is be on time. Got to be on time for everything. Uh, number two is do your job. That's doing your job to be eligible to play, being a, doing your job to be a student athlete, um, doing your job on the court to be in help side, doing your job. If you're a screen setter and you come in the game to set screens and all of a sudden you want to start jacking up threes, you'll sit right by Coach Shea. Um, but if you do your job and your job is specifically to go set screens, then that's what you're going to do. Um, doing your job and doing it to the best of your ability. And that's one of the biggest things that we talk about um, that we talk about in the program. And finally, with that would be the accountability piece where we hold our, we hold everyone accountable, um, in the program. And, and part of that consistency is the accountability. Um, and it's really hard to, to be consistent. Um, like I said, when your best player does something he shouldn't do and you don't feel like discipline him cause you have a championship game the next night, but then, you know, he's at the same place as, uh, as, as the guy, the last guy on your bench, you know, and, but you want to punish the last guy on your bench, not your best player. You can't do that. And you're going to lose respect to your players. Um, so as far as the story goes, you know, I've been blessed enough to be coaching for a while now, uh, both at the high school and at the college level, coach a little bit of middle school and AAU basketball as well. Um, I think one of the biggest stories for me um, with this happened, actually my first year as a head coach, and I'm sure coach Shea will listen to this and laugh about this, but um, I, I was big on, Hey, listen, we finished. Like if you're not going to get back and run back on defense, I don't care who you were. Um, you're not going to, you're not going to sit out. Uh, excuse me, you're not going to play. Right. And you got to be able to, to play both sides on, on offense and defense. And so I had a young man, um, who was, was a good player. Um, he went off and just graduated from Washington Lee about two years ago. And Craig and, and coach, you, you, you remember this kid is Davis Turner when I was at the Howard school, really good player for us. Um, and so Davis was just consistently inconsistent sometimes. So he's on a fast break. It's my very first game as a head coach. We're playing, um, gosh, I think it was Cherokee Christian. Uh, or no, excuse me. It's Gwinnett Christian. Um, and so he's on a fast break, um, goes up, no one, no one in front of him goes up, tries to dunk the ball, misses, it hits the back iron, right? He stands there. The guy gets the rebound. His man gets the rebound, goes all the way down. We don't stop the ball in transition and scores. Boy, I was so quick to pull him out of the game. Um, and he sat for the rest of the half. This was early in the game. This was a uh, late first quarter. He sat for the rest of the half. And, um, I, you know, I started doing that with the other players as well. Hey, listen, if you're going to, you know, miss a, you know, miss a layup, you know, you try and dunk, but you know, you can't dunk, miss a layup and, and not get back on defense. You're going to sit. Now there's other examples I have as well, but that was, uh, you know, my, as my first year as a head coach. So it's trying to just keep that consistency piece. I think is a big thing. Thanks coach. And just to recap, uh, coach Long's, um, tips for someone that's trying to aspire to be a young coach is to resist the urge of treating the better players differently and be consistent with discipline and how you handle um, things that affect your team standards, whether it's the first guy or the 13th guy. Um, the other thing that coach is giving advice on is making sure that there is a high standard for you have high standards for everybody. Um, thank you, coach. That's, that's great stuff. Mr. Coach Hewitt, uh, I can't wait to hear from the 22 years of Brandon Hall, what your tip is for that young coach. that's looking to, to, to roam in the sidelines on a Friday night. Well, to be honest with you, uh, coach long jumped into the, uh, the script a little early and, and stole what I probably would have gone with in terms of consistency. So instead of consistency, I'm going to, I'm going to go with my, uh, tried and true, Brandon Hall sports coaching technique and talk about empathy. Um, I have coached middle school basketball and JV basketball uh, my entire time here. So I'm usually dealing with players who 
for the most part, are not going to necessarily participate at a much higher level. They may go on to the varsity basketball team, but because we're such a small school, usually if they can play varsity, they play varsity. So being on a JV team is for the students who are the athletes who usually have not played before. They played rec league. They, they shoot out in the back backyard. They don't really have a sense of the game uh, that some of us who started in, in elementary school and middle school might have had. Um, so one of the things I learned early on is that we have to take our lumps. Uh, as, as a team, we have to understand where we all are coming from in terms of what we need to learn, teamwork, concentration, execution uh, in all phases of the game. And I'll tell the, the, the kids every year, uh, you know, I don't, I don't care if we lose the first game. Uh, the first game is always the, the test of what they've been doing and paying attention to. Because if we learn the first, lose the first game, I can just go to the next practice and say, hey, guys, that's, that's what we've been working on. You saw it now happen. You didn't have to just listen to me. And we can move on from there. So I also have to understand where these students are coming from. I have uh, athletes who don't speak English as a first language. I have athletes who are athletically limited. But because Brandon Hall is a no-cut policy, they're able to be on a team, which is fantastic. So I need to make their experience uh, better. Uh, than it would necessarily be in a varsity sport where the expectation is we're going to play our best players and we're, we're out there to win. So uh, winning is great. And I, I let my kids know I get, I get irritated when we don't win, especially when I know when we can't. But some of my, my greatest lessons have, have come from us losing uh, to teams that we shouldn't have uh, or that losing to teams that we definitely should have and then being able to take that lesson into the next game. Um, I think about... Uh, our championship uh, middle school basketball team. Coach, you'll have to help me out with it. The year it was, I think it was uh, uh, 2015, 2014. Uh, 2015. 2015, yes, sir. 15. Um, you know, we, we played the Howard School tough a couple of times that year. I think we lost the first game there. We beat them here, playing them in the championship game. And my guys were, were mentally tough. They were ready to go. They understood what we needed to do. And there were two, three, four kids who didn't get to play a single minute in that game. And I'll tell you what, when we, when we won the championship and jumped on the field, those guys were the happiest to be because they understood what it meant. They understood what part they played. They understood how practice was more important for them than the game. And they were able to be just as happy as anybody else on the court. So uh, that, that's the memory I can think of that, that really helps with that, um, that idea of teaching empathy to the, or being empathetic and, and teaching our students in a way that's maybe a little bit different than some other varsity sports. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, to recap, um, Kevin talked about the idea that the, the level is a little bit different with the JV basketball than some of the other uh, varsity sports and to have a different approach when it comes to wins or losses and, and, and how you deal with the wins and losses on the next day and learn from them. Um, and also identifying roles and, 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 and embracing them and being empathetic to different kids or different skill sets so that they have that great experience. Thanks, Kevin. That's great stuff. And, I mean, I remember that game. Um, uh, we, Neil Dickey and, and, and Billy Mancata, um, probably that was probably arguably the, the, the best middle school basketball team since I've been here. Um, I guess we could debate that on another podcast, but that, that's my – I think it's by far. By far, by far. All right, my my tip for an aspiring head coach um, is having very clear communication processes. Um, and, and in my mind, that's what understanding the best, making sure we're consistent with how we communicate to our players, to our parents, 
giving them as much information as possible. Um, and so there's never a question of, hey, what time are we leaving today? And especially as someone that has been on the other side the last couple of years with, with two young young girls, I can appreciate having communication very being very clear to me. And that also goes to the assistant coach, being clear with the assistant coach what they're going to do for practice that day, being clear with the players of the whys of practice and, and, and reiterating that and being and, and also a, a consistency in terms of how the delivery is more important than the message. So I learned over the years that I need to be a do better job of understanding diff, different personalities and I can't act the same. I can't communicate the same to one kid that I can to another based on how they, what their role is, what their personality is. I need to find a way to adapt to them so that they can get the most out of this experience. Um, and again, the community, so the communication should be different to each player. Uh, my tone, my tone really needs to be about the same. If we're in a tight game and I'm frazzled and I'm yelling and I'm screaming and listen, I've been there and I've done that. Um, and that's one of my things that I work on, but my tone should be consistent, calm, soothing, confident. That's going to translate to the performance in that situation. If you're frazzled, upset, throwing a clipboard, they're going to, they're going to, they're, they're not going to, they're not going to have an idea of, of, of faith that this is going to go well. Um, and an example of that is in my early days, I used to, Again, just I have the same approach in terms of how I communicated with with players. I'd get very upset if things weren't going well. And my upset was to, again, have a frazzled tone, be very frustrated. And, and then I realized that's not being productive for our student athletes. And that's one of my coachable things that I've grown over the over the years. But again, an example, um, halftime down by 40 against a team that uh, – you know, we probably had no business being on the court with uh, back when I was coaching JV basketball and I'd go in the locker room and say, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? That's not, that's not being productive. And when, of course, we played the same way the second half and saying, instead of having very winnable, teachable moments and, and, and small wins for goals of that second half. Um, and again, those are some of the lessons that I've learned. Um, so as, a, as an aspiring head coach, my advice is to be very consistent with your communication be very detailed with your be with your communication, and be and use and be varied in terms of how you communicate with different types of players, parents even, and your assistant coaches. That those are my words of wisdom from um, all the years of of of, of roaming the sidelines at, at Brandon Hall School. All right, this is this is um, one of my favorite moments of our podcast called minute madness coach long i'm gonna have the uh i'm gonna have the, the alarm clock on you um what we're gonna do is have your most memorable sporting event you have attended and why uh kevin you're gonna go ahead and bat lead off go ahead all right i'm gonna cheat and go with two but i promise i'll quicker <laughs> than, than coach long so my, my first uh actual sports memory that i can remember is going to see uh the phillies at the vet when i lived in upper darby pennsylvania uh, awesome. I remember it specifically because Mike Schmidt hit two home runs, third time up. They intentionally walked him, and being five years old, I just was yelling and screaming about how could they do that? That was unfair. Uh, <laughs> and they were being smart. But the other memory that I can think of is uh, being at the first Atlanta United game at, at Georgia Tech in 2017. Just a surreal experience, getting to be there for the first time a team has ever played. Very it was cool. fantastic, and I'll, I'll always remember it. 
Awesome. And you're under, under the minute. Great job, Coach. Coach Long, I, bat I, in second. I know I'm batting second here. I'll try and hit 300 here. Uh, first off, real quick, to go to Coach Hewitt's point, Coach, I'm a Tech fan. I don't like seeing all that red and Bobby Dodd, but it, listen, it was for a good cause. I get it. Um, but so uh, I have one, and this happened. This is actually on the last dance, March 27th of 1998. Um, I was able to go see Michael Jordan play his last game uh, as a Chicago Bull in Atlanta. Um, my godmother ended up getting the tickets. Uh, I got picked up from school. I was hoping that I could go. She said, Hey, I might have a ticket for you. Um, anyway, we, she ended up scalping a ticket, got a ticket, showed up in the third quarter, uh, excuse me, right at halftime was sitting all the way up, you know, the, the nosebleeds at the Georgia dome and was able to see Michael Jordan, you know, Michael Jordan to be Michael Jordan. And that was a very memorable moment for me. It was I like going to the ballet. He was just, everything about him was just so, was so true. Um, and that, you know, the last dance showed all that stuff about that team that year, but I was in the, in the dome for the all time NBA uh, attendance record still stands today at like 68,000 people. So I was there and being able to see Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen, that whole crew was really cool. Yeah. I remember here read, uh, watching that in the last dance and, and that, that brought back, I guess not memories. I wasn't here at the time, but I, I thought that would have been pretty cool. All right. Uh, this is when I became fully immersed as a, a Boston diehard sport fan. Uh, 1986, everyone remembers Bill Buckner and, and the infamous ball between the legs. But before that, the Red Sox had a magical year. Um, they were a doormat for, for, for years since 1978 up until 1986. Um, young man, young pitcher named Roger Clemens came on the scene. Um, I was actually my first game that we had really good tickets. My, my dad got tickets behind home plate for the clinching game of the AL East in September. Bruce Hurst, a, a, a dynamic lefty, was on the mound. Uh, they won four to one. Marty Barrett, uh, I remember like it was yesterday, clenched the glove for the winning, um, the, 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 clinic, the pennant clinching catch. Um, I remember the fans living and dying off of each pitch. Um, and I said, man, this is really cool. People really care and, and as, as much as I could in an eight-year-old mind. And this was a springboard for being a Boston sports fanatic. Um, again, let's not go back. Let's not talk about what happened about a month later. But that was it. That was a cool memory. And, and I've, I've been diehard ever since. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, first, our final words. Kevin, any final thoughts? No, thanks for having me. I, I, it's been a good time. Hopefully, I'll, I'll be able to come back. Awesome. Coach Long, what, what about you? What's your final thoughts today? Yeah, no, this was great. Great having you, Coach Hewitt. Um, I think, you know, just being a head coach teaches you different things every single year and um, certainly trying to find and dive in. You know, every team is different. And you learn things from them and they learn things from you. And, and um, you know, just trying to keep that consistency and, and build your culture is one of the biggest important things that you can do. All right, guys. It's been fun. Uh, we will see you guys soon. And back to you.